0: The scripture tonight is found in Matthew 6, beginning with verse 16, and through the end of that chapter, verse 34. Matthew 6, 16. Jesus is bringing his uh, sermon on the mount, and he... As he so often does, he gets to the crux of the matter. Tonight we see uh, how a true disciple uh, reflects or incorporates the teaching of Jesus. Uh, Let it not be said of us that we leave the teaching on the page, but that we uh, grow in incorporating the teaching, the perspective that Christ gives us here. Uh, This is uh, serious, uh, serious stuff tonight, given uh, the proclivities that we have of uh, worry, uh, the proclivity that we have to um, attain or uh, amass, or accumulate, that's a better word, accumulate stuff here, uh, here on earth. So um, we'll read the text, uh, then uh, we'll, we'll uh, talk about it a little bit here. Verse 16, chapter 6. Whenever you fast, uh, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance, so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full, but you. When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven "...where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness." If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth or mammon. For this reason, I say to you, Do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you, that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes The grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will... Care for itself each day as enough trouble of its own. The Word of the Lord. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Uh, this is uh, the inspired word from you. Uh, this word stands. This word, upon this word, is established all that we believe about you, our Father in heaven. And we uh, we read it and we hear it as such. And we would ask tonight that you help us to hear familiar words afresh and anew. And that you would, Lord, implant within us the desire to... Conform to your word. And by conforming to your word, show ourselves to be your disciples. Uh, So, Lord, work with us tonight. Um, uh, Once again, we thank you for just the opportunity to be here on this frigid night. Um, Lord, so good to be together it's the, the fellowship with one another is wonderful. The fellowship that we have in your word and by your spirit, as we look to your son, uh, is, is something we dare not ever take for granted. Uh, so thank you, uh, with all, all the praise we can give you. And, uh, in our thoughts, and then, Lord, help us tonight. Speak to us tonight, and Lord, our own, each one in our own heart, in our own circumstances, and our and where we are with you, Lord, bring us along, and and move us toward uh, maturity and greater maturity in you. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, this uh, is a wonderful and powerful chapter. The I want to I want to set us up for these last couple things in the chapter that we want we just read uh, the verses on storing up for yourselves treasures on earth and then the Lord's uh, cure for anxiety. Uh, I think this morning we did mention the hopelessness and the helplessness that is out in our society, it comes close to our own doors sometimes. Um, But all of that um, uh, has an effect of causing us to look to the things of this world to satisfy. And we know that the things of this world will never satisfy. Uh, and the Lord deals with this; He dealt with it two thousand years ago when He preached this message well let 's let 's begin there in the first part of the chapter he's talk, He begins by talking about giving to the poor. Um, this was uh, important an important part of being a Jew. It was an important part of being a Pharisee, almsgiving, give to the poor. That was a big deal. It was like top three things that you could do in service to God and to be pleasing to God. Give to the poor. Be uh, generous with your money. But notice he says in verse two, so when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you. <laughs> so the Lord, the Lord is trying to, he's trying to give them a proper perspective on these religious activities in verses two, three, and four, the giving to the poor, the almsgiving in verses five and following. He's talking about prayer. Yeah, look at verse five. He says, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners. Why? Well, so not because they're talking to God and they're concerned about others, but so that they may be seen by men. It's interesting that Jesus is directing them, he's really correcting them as to religious activities. He's recognizing that the reason so often men do religious things is to be seen by others, not necessarily to be seen by God and to please God. And so he's correcting this and he's speaking directly uh, to the Pharisees back then. And he speaks to us today. You know, to, to be generous, that's a good thing. And that's a godly thing. To, uh, to sound a trumpet about that is, is not. Jesus is promoting uh, a secrecy, if you will, in giving. He's promoting even secrecy in prayer. Uh, privacy, a private prayer. Notice what he says here. He says um, in verse six, but you, when you pray, it's not if, it's when. He says, When you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So where does he where does he place private prayer and where does he place public prayer? Well, if, if we pray publicly, we need to make sure that we pray most often privately. We should not just be found praying in public. We should pray in the, as he calls it, the inner room. And then he tells us how to pray. He says, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. He says, they suppose they'll be hear, heard for their many words. Don't be like them. He says, Your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then he tells us, he gives us the model prayer, the, the Lord's prayer. He says, Pray then this way. I love that. Love that prayer. It's a model prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. So we praise him in our prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? Well, on earth. As it is in heaven. There's much to say about that, but we'll go on. He says, give us this day our daily bread. There it is. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. So right here in the middle of of this uh, instruction on prayer, he gives us a model prayer. And then he, uh, he emphasizes the importance of forgiveness. Then he talks about fasting. So generosity to the poor prayer and fasting all three were held in very high esteem by the pharisees but jesus says the pharisees you pharisees you're doing it all wrong you want to be seen you want to make a big to-do over religious practices and jesus says uh no he says uh Concerning fasting, Uh, wash your face, anoint your head. Don't look like you're about to die. If you miss a meal, fine, but don't parade in front of others to make yourself look like you're fasting. That's the point. And um, and so he says, you don't want to be noticed by men. He says, your father... Who, see, who is in secret will see what is done in secret and he'll reward you. And that's the case with all of these things. The almsgiving, the prayer, and the fasting. Then we come to our, our text, the heart of the text. And I believe with all my heart, Jesus spoke uh, wisdom here. I believe that verses 19 through 34 should characterize every believer. Uh, I believe if we took Jesus seriously here, uh, we would uh, help ourselves uh, to a more stress-free uh, life and existence. Uh, that's the point. Um, He says, uh, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Hmm. Uh, We're not, we don't have this existence uh, just to see how much we can accumulate down here. There's a higher purpose. (laughs) And that higher purpose is to please him through prayer, through generosity, through humbling ourselves before god uh, don't think that our existence is just to store up these things on earth uh, but where's the pressure the pressure is that the world measures people that way it's the world you know we have we have this whole uh, advertising of Stuff. I mean, it's always before us. You need this. I'll tell you why you need it. I mean, there could be any one of a number of reasons why we, why the world would say, you got to have this, you know, and, and so there's the pressure, but Jesus says, don't, don't, uh, don't buy that. Don't buy what the world's selling. He says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. And then he tells us that those things that that are stored up on earth are short-lived. He says where moth and rust destroy. There's nothing of an eternal nature about the things on earth. Right? The material things. Uh, It it reminds me of of that passage in 1 Peter chapter 1 where he says that we have an inheritance in heaven and it's unfading it it will not pass away it is it is an incorruptible inheritance and it's up there and he says it's reserved in heaven for you so so to to live professing Christ in this life and to be storing up for ourselves treasures on earth seems to go against God's plan for our lives. Our, our true inheritance is in heaven. And, and, and this is what he says, verse 20. I think I must, I, Peter must have been here. He must have been there listening to the Sermon on the Mount. This must have made a huge impression on him. He must have been thinking about that when he wrote chapter 1, talking about our inheritance. Jesus said this, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Wow, that is, a, that is an amazing concept. <laughs> that you, as a believer, could store up for yourself treasures in heaven. He says, uh, where neither moth nor rust destroys, there is nothing that can uh, nothing on earth can affect your inheritance in heaven, your treasure in heaven, where he says, um, and where thieves do not break in or steal. He's just saying that your heavenly treasure that you store up is is protected. It's eternal. It's incorruptible. It will not fade away. It is undefiled. Not touched by sin at all. And and that's where that's this should be the believer's focus in life. And I have to think that as we obey the practice of generosity, as we obey the practice of prayer, the instruction that he gives us about prayer, and as we obey this just being serious about God and being thoughtful about the Lord and and wanting to do his will and uh and willing to sacrifice secretly with those things in mind that we are storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven and then he gives the bottom line and this is this is something truly to ponder He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you're you're storing up treasure in heaven, that's where your heart is. If you're storing up treasure on earth, physical things, material things, accumulating stuff, he says, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your treasure is either in heaven or on earth. If you value material things, that's your God. If you value the Lord, then your desire is going to be to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I love what Jesus says. There's a little bit of a break here, but not a break. It's important words. The eye is the lamp of the body. He's just saying, do you see it? (laughs) Do you see it? Do you see what is being said? Do you understand the concept? Do you get it? The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Then the light that is in you is darkness. How great is that darkness? And then no one, no one can serve two masters because here's the way we think. Well, I'll store up treasures in heaven and I'll store up treasures on earth. And Jesus cuts Right to the heart of the matter in verse 24, no one, that's exclusive, no one can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And he says, you cannot, you cannot serve God and mammon or wealth as it is in the NASB or money. Then he goes on and this is connected, this is vitally connected. He gives the cure for anxiety. Here we are. <laughs> I mean, cure for anxiety, well in our day and age we would we would first go to Some kind of therapy or some kind of, and and I say we should give God a chance here. And our lives conforming to him as the Lord knows what's best for us as to his cure for anxiety. I know we live in an anxious world. I mean, that's a given, right? I mean, it is. I mean if you don't if you don't wake up nervous in our world, something's wrong with you, right? Well, the Lord's got a better plan he, we've not, We're not destined to be anxious about stuff. We're not destined to have to worry constantly about things. you know if you listen, if you want to think that we live in a in what we would call a closed universe no God, just we're down here functioning by natural law. Well, you can think that if you want, but as believers, we don't believe there's a closed universe. We believe God is over all and he cares about us. That's what this is all about. The Lord knows, the Lord cares. The Lord's given us instruction He wants wants better for us. He wants eternal life for us. He wants us to, to gain that inheritance, that eternal inheritance. That's what he wants for us. But so often, we let the world have the last word in our lives. And I'm just here to say, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. And we're not down here uh, in some kind of competition with someone else as to who can worry the most. Have you ever been around a couple of worry warts? They're in competition. I don't want it. Thank you. I don't want it. And then if you don't worry to their level, something's wrong with you. Well, this is my perspective. We've got a heavenly father who cares. So take a deep breath and calm down. He knows our steps. He orders our steps. And I understand I may be oversimplifying to the max, but that's me. That's my simple mind. For this reason, I say to you, for this reason, for what reason? No man can serve two masters. There's just no way you can serve two masters. He says, do not be worried about your life. There it is. Do not be worried about your life. Let me ask you, who gave it to you? Okay. We know who gave it to you. Uh, You've trusted Jesus. Uh, Who orders your steps? God orders your steps. Where are you going to spend eternity? Well, I'm, 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 uh, I'm trusting the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of my sin. He said, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, I'm spending eternity with him. Okay. Those three things are really helpful. So don't worry about your life. He gave it to you. He's given you eternal life and he cares about you right now. He has not left us to our own devices. He is not. You know, if you want to keep pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, help yourself. I don't, I still don't understand how that works, but, uh, fine. But he cares enough for you and, and he's going to prove it here. He says, uh um, Don't don't be worried about your life. I think he says this because it's real easy for us to get into that lane, right? You know what that lane becomes? It becomes a rut. And you know what a rut is? It's a grave with both ends kicked out. It's death. It doesn't help. He says, uh, don't don't be worried about your life as to what you will eat. Or what you will drink. The fundamentals of life. Don't worry about it. He says. Nor for your body. Now. Hey listen. Our bodies. That's, that's what we've got Lord. He says. Don't worry about your body. As to what you'll put on. Is not life more than food. And the body more than clothing. And then he gives an example. He says. Look at the birds of the air. Now this morning. I get here, I think it was maybe negative four or something like that. Get here this morning. I, of course, I had to have a, a ride to church. But anyway, that's another story. Um, and I look at, I'm i looking out there at the parking lot, and I see two crows. I don't really like crows, of all the birds, But I thought, there's something sweet about these two big black crows out here in the parking lot. I thought, it's negative degrees. What are they doing out there? They didn't look worried to me. They looked like they were kind of enjoying themselves. One of them flew off that way, and the one that was over here in the parking lot flew off toward the other. And they looked like they were playing a... A game or something out there. Really enjoying themselves. They didn't look worried at all. Um, The Lord says. Look at the birds of the air. You ever see them? You ever watch them? He says. They do not sow. Nor reap. Nor gather into barns. And yet. Your heavenly father. Feeds them. Oh, is that what's going on? The Lord feeds the birds? Is that what we're saying? That's what we're saying. The Lord feeds the birds. Because we don't live in a closed situation. We live in an open situation where God is the ruler of all and God takes care of his creation. And according to Jesus, God feeds the birds. And the question comes, Are you, 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 you and you and me, are you not worth much more than they? And the answer is, you are. You're worth much more than a bird, a crow. We talked about that tonight in men's discipleship. What's the difference between man and animal? We're created in the image of God and God, what? He created Adam from the dust of the ground and, and breathed life into Adam. Man, man is more important to God. We're, he says, are you not worth much more than they? This is a question that, that deserves the answer and the answer is obvious, of course. We're created in the image of God. Birds are not. And, and yet it sounds like God's really, he really is concerned for the birds. He takes care of the birds. It seems like there's a lot of birds to take care of. But the Lord takes care of the birds. And then he says, and who of you by being worried can add a single hour or I like the translation here. The other word is cubit to his life. A cubit is about 18 inches. That's about the size of a step. And what he's saying here is you and I cannot add one more of these to our lives than what God has already determined. We can't. We'll worry. We'll worry. Add a single cubit to our life. Will it add 18 more inches to my life by worry? No, the answer is obvious. No. And why are, he says in verse 28, why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies. Now, you could say wildflowers here. That's a good translation. Wildflowers or lilies. We have some canna lilies out here. They're blooming. Uh, they're beautiful, they're just beautiful. I like looking at them, the yellow blossom, the red blossom. Uh, I wonder how that happens. Well, you know, Dan tends them, but you know, as well as I do, God, he gets in there and he causes growth and blooming and beauty Look what he says here. Observe. That means watch carefully how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed themselves like, himself like one of these. But if God, there it is, God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace... Will he not much more clothe you? So the grass he's talking about is short lived, but God still takes care of that grass. He makes it green. Will he not much more clothe you? And then he says, you of little faith. Do not worry then. So this whole section here is on worry. Do not worry then saying, what are we going to eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? He says, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly father knows that you need. There it is. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. He's not saying you don't need these things. He's saying you do need these things. But we have to have the proper priority and perspective. He says, but seek first his kingdom. There it is. Seek God. Seek seek his eternal kingdom. Seek his rule. Seek The Lord and his righteousness, his righteousness. Listen, apart from his righteousness, we can't be saved. The only salvation is to receive a righteousness that is not our own. It is his righteousness. In fact, in another place. Not too far from here, he says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you have no part of the kingdom of heaven. He says, seek his kingdom. Seek first. There's the priority. His kingdom and his righteousness. This is the concern of the disciple of Jesus. It's his kingdom. It's his righteousness. It's his rule in our life. This is what concerns us and all these things all what things well you don't want me to go over those again do you all these things the food the clothing all of these things will what he says they will be added to you isn't that beautiful he says so bottom line verse 34 so what so what so do not worry About tomorrow. For tomorrow will care for itself. Each day is enough trouble. Of its own. Toward a. Worry free life. Is the life that is. uh, Full of Christ. It's full of his forgiveness. And grace. And mercy. And. And taking seriously the instruction that he gives us on how to live in these days. I've noticed there are a lot of folks uptight. And some of those really convey that message. They want you uptight as well. Well, let's hear hear the Lord. Let's let Jesus have the last word. Let's seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then let's watch the Lord take care of his own. Father in heaven, thank you for the, this wonderful uh, portion of scripture. Lord, I, I know I need it. I think we all need to hear of your great care for your own. You love us, you love us enough to bring peace, contentment to our lives. So Lord, uh, deliver us from anxiety, deliver us from worry, and help us to please you as we trust you day by day. Uh, We give you praise and honor. Go with us tonight. Keep us safe on the road. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.